Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today's interview is with one of my all-time favorite animators, Veronica Mariana. Veronica's animated worlds are filled with beautiful colors and absolutely incredible painterly textures. I highly recommend familiarizing yourself with her work if you haven't already before listening. If we're being honest, I can't even begin to recall the first time I saw Veronica's work, but I know she'd been on Kohana in my list of people that we'd wanted to interview since the inception of this podcast, so I couldn't be more excited to share a conversation with you today. So without further ado, I'm Lige Morgan, and this is Boiled Over. Hi, Veronica. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. And um, to get us started, would you mind introducing yourself and talking a little bit about the work you make? Yeah, so my name is Veronica. I'm originally from Poland, but I live in in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. And uh, I work with all sorts of visual media, so painting, illustration, drawing, and and animation. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I mean... Yeah, one of the things I love most about your work is how many different mediums you work in. Um, And maybe it's just because you've been sharing a lot of stuff on Instagram with like a lot of watercolor textures and like, I don't know, I I love all of the physical textures that come through in your work. And I think that they play a really important role in your work, Um, whether that be physical, digital, or like existing kind of somewhere in between there. So was kind of wondering, you know, just to get us started and jump in, if you could talk a little bit about your relationship to texture and its importance in your work. Yeah. So I think what I love about animation, so I come a bit from like from uh, from illustration backgrounds for I worked as an illustrator for a few years. And what was my problem with illustration? I mean, that that it has that it, there's a certain perfectionism that you have to deliver the illustration in you know there's the, about the composition and that everything has to be just like you have to nail it and and i kind of uh, i kind of struggled with it as always and animation i think allows for this like wonderful messiness to happen and still make sense and um and i think that's the textures and you can and you can play with them and it can be messy and you can and i can always embrace the fact that my paper is dirty and i love it it is just so freeing compared to illustration when you of course you can also maybe somehow incorporate it in your work but i think it's much more difficult to keep it uh, yeah still so manageable and animation i think is just this beautiful medium where you can just be as messy as you can but still make sense Totally. I mean, I, I love the idea of kind of like embracing the messiness of the medium um, and having it act almost as a part of like a narrative device. Um, and yeah. I I love how these textures kind of do exactly that in your work. Um, and they appear in characters, but not in other things in the environment, or they appear um, in like certain objects, but not others. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your use of boils um, yeah. and boiling these textures. Yeah. So you, I think there's also like, just as you said, like that, uh, that um, all these, all this, this mess maybe just, or just, you know, quote unquote mess, it becomes almost like a co-creator in a sense. So what I love about this process is that 
um, it, 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 I'm not in full control of everything. And I kind of love that. That's why I also just, I often use very cheap materials. I, I love cheap arts stuff. Like I buy like cheap as possible stuff usually. I mean, sometimes I you know just buy something nice, but, but I just love cheap arts uh, supplies and the, the way like watercolor works on cheap paper, you know, what's, uh, it's just fascinating you cannot control it in any way so it's going to do its own thing anyway so I think it's just and if you animate it then it's just wonderful things can happen and I so I'm absolutely fascinated by how you know how it can how it does the boiling and whatever else. like it, it creates its own effects just by right. by being yeah but just by yeah being cheap material you know <laughs> I, love I it. remember um when Hannah and I talked with Jamie Wolf um and yeah. she was talking oh, about how much of a perfectionist <laughs> she is, um, but she kind of forces herself to use things like like a dry brush or like a really rough nib so that she doesn't have control and can't possibly have control. Um, yeah. And yeah, kind of like embracing the messiness in the same way um, where, you know, with something like illustration, like you said, there's so much emphasis on the composition because it's just, you know, for lack of a better explanation, like one frame that you're looking yeah. at rather than a succession. And yeah, then when you throw all of those frames together, it creates something completely different, which even the way the paper kind of like folds and bends in your work um, and how that becomes a part of it as well. It's, it's all so beautiful. Thank you so much. That's lovely to hear that. And I, th I think some element of perfectionism, of course, is always there. I think that's, you know, this, uh, I mean, in order just to even put this amount of work into something, right, we, we got to be, a, I think, a bit, a bit, you know, uh, have this like perfectionism brain, but but indeed, like you cannot uh, make every frame that perfect, or at least I, I'm not striving for that. I love this kind of uh, unfinished, slightly messy structure. I'm still developing that. So, you know, so it's a process. Yeah. When I discovered animation, I kind of felt like finally, like all my kind of character traces that were kind of like always on a way of me actually doing something right. Where suddenly I was like, oh my God, there's space for all of it here. Like animation will allow me to just like flourish as like kind of imperfect, messy, anxious neurotic person you know because it just and workaholic like it's, right. it's just gonna be like yay <laughs> all of this is there's space for all of it here and it's gonna be great <laughs> you know? i love that because i feel like your journey into the world of animation came with your journey into not necessarily a different style but maybe like a, a different workflow and working like so much more loosely um could you talk a little bit about I guess the departure of working on illustrations and working, you know, very, um, yeah, for lack of a better word, like as a perfectionist, um, and then <laughs> moving toward like a much looser workflow. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question because I think indeed animation is such a great teacher. Like it just it, it's it opened so many doors in my head. You know, it just opened so many possibilities. And I think that's it's been such a like such an interesting, super exciting journey since the moment I kind of started. And my journey to to animation was maybe I don't know if it's typical or not, but I've never really watched animation, so I, I honestly I wasn't aware of existence of anything else outside of like Pixar and anime. So 
and maybe some adult swim, but I never really watched that stuff. I didn't know what it was. I honestly didn't know there's like a whole world out there. And uh, so I think I'm not exactly sure how I came across it. But once I just started, like once I saw like first, you know, uh, experimental animation stuff, I was just mind blown that this is, you know, I felt like this is home, you know, <laughs> I need to I need to go there. And uh, yeah, and it just felt so much so natural in a way, like, so natural to me to 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 go the, to this direction kind of. Yeah, that's so sweet to hear. And I, I think really evident in your work that it, it feels like your home. For sure, um, at least from the outside. Um, yeah, love it. <laughs> talking about some of your characters through your paintings, your digital illustrations, your animations, they all seem to kind of exist in a similar world. And I don't think that, or maybe they are, you could tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that they're the exact same character. But yeah, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know, these amorphous rainbow kind of figures mm -hmm. and how they came to be and what they mean to you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question that I, I sometimes, um, I don't exactly know the answer to the question because I think what's beautiful in general about art is that it's, it, it takes, um, yeah, it just, it just takes control a bit, a little bit, right? Like I kind of feel like uh, as an artist, you are a little bit of a, like a vessel of something and, and you're not fully aware of what's happening. And, and I love this about, about making arts that, that only after a while, sometimes I see what's, what, the, what the point of something was or what I meant through, you know, through some piece of art. I mm. think that we just tap into some kind of pool of like, uh, of, uh, of associations and and dreams and you know this kind of uh, consciousness the collective consciousness of that and then and we do it maybe a little bit into somehow intuitively if we are of course like practice it and allow for it and I, I try to do that I try to practice and allow for this kind of flow to happen and then things and characters they appear and it's definitely very, it's very, of course, self-centered, right? It's all about like, <laughs> as I think most of artists, I create a lot of stuff about myself, but it is indeed usually, there are different characters because I am also in different places of my life or different stages of connection or disconnection, you know, with my body or with myself. And, um, and yeah, and I just, sometimes I analyze it or sometimes I just also like let it go and see, you know, w without analyzing too much, without judging where, who these characters are sometimes it scares me a little bit because it goes to like dark places and then I'm not you know like I, I wonder sometimes if I should go deeper to this darkness or if I should just like so slowly remove myself from mm -hmm. the darkness am I uh, deepening the darkness through um depicting it on paper or am I helping myself I'm never really sure fully but I I do believe full, that there's a therapeutic kind of Auto therapeutic, also part of uh, of you know painting yourself or your selves, you know <laughs> all different shapes and. I think I think it's a fine line to walk, um, yeah. kind of like treating art as therapy, and like I think it can be like really really successful for some people, and other people it does kind of just. I don't know have have them dive like deeper into the darkness almost when you're when you're working on a project that centers around like trauma or, or grief or you know any sort of negative feeling and particularly with a medium like animation where you have to put so much of yourself into it for so long I you know it, I think it really takes a toll on some people um and 
yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering in in hearing you say all of this and how these characters are kind of a, like reflection of you, do you see them at all as self-portraits um, or more just kind of as an extension of, of who you are and how you exist? I do sometimes see them as self-portraits and some other times not, but but they always are, I think, sort of me somewhere or or like a very universal concept of, you know, I think that we all as humans go for similar experiences and some, yeah, that we, there is like a universal experience of being a human. And I think that is what I'm also interested in, in making art in general, what are you know what is the human experience and what is the what kind of where are we what are we here for and so uh, it is about me but also in a, a kind of sometimes it is zooming out but sometimes indeed I, like i i do get um you know i do get sometimes uh, not scared necessarily but a bit surprised about some dark stuff but sometimes i get um you know i, I do definitely think of uh, all sorts of traumatic experiences when when I create art, not always, but sometimes. And uh, there's a lot about sort of feeling disconnected to my body and to like senses. And and I feel that drawing and animation ha is helping me to, to navigate that a little bit. It's not gonna heal me, but it's helping me sometimes to just like see where I am in this situation, where I am in this moment, how do I feel about it right now? And I do see that some some patterns, you know, or I had this phase of uh, having people with beaks, you know, with uh, like bird people, <laughs> and, and kind of, they kind of are happy, sort of colorful and happy. And I realized that they only appear sort of from time to time when I actually feel very disconnected from my body, when I don't feel, mm. yeah, when I don't feel my body, when I'm kind of like a stranger. And I realized that this is the bird person, is that that kind of stranger, that's that weirds you know, half human, half birds creature. And it's not necessarily a very, maybe not, I mean, positive, I don't want to judge it, but it's not uh, the, the happy, happy moments, maybe. It's just this moment of disconnection. So it does allow me sometimes to just find this, to, you know, to, um, yeah, to just find some symbols maybe for different stages, you know. That's yeah. super interesting. <laughs> I, I haven't really heard of that in anyone else's practice before where like <laughs> if these characters come up as motifs for you know different things they're experiencing or, or periods in their life and i'm sure that you know that that occurs with many people oh, I'm um, sure. you know and now that i'm thinking about it but i've yeah this was something i've never thought about before yeah i think it's it's i'm sure it appears in you know in maybe in different ways maybe sometimes the character maybe sometimes it's a color but i'm sure the, the intuitive part of us like always picks something you know maybe it's shape maybe it's color maybe it's a character it's i think there is something that we feel like we control you know because i decide to, to draw that human bird right <laughs> i'm not under some in some kind of trance but i think there is an intuition that that stares steers me somewhere and it, i think it works for all of us this way but sometimes we just it's difficult to maybe analyze it or you know yeah <laughs> right i'm i'm curious throughout it all the colors are so unmistakably you and i'm wondering kind of how you've landed on the palette that you use and I feel like there's a whole rainbow in there, but there's also a lot of soft pinks and subtle blues. And I'm wondering what these colors mean to you and and why you've kind of chosen them, at least for the time being, um, and why you work with them. 
Yeah. So I think my relationship with color was um, has changed massively because for a long time I was only using black ink for, for a very long time. Uh, and there was just like a switch, I think, in my life again, like it's I think it's very much connected again with some kind of life experiences and moments, you know, just of like mental health moments. And I realized, you know, how much color actually how how important it is in in my life like how important it is in nature how much i react to it in a in a very positive way in, in nature so i decided at some point to just completely get rid of black altogether so i almost never use black like um, i might use some like dark uh, blues but never really black and and also just uh, this idea of like opening up this you know just completely experimenting with color so for a long time i was just like um, using random colored pencils without controlling what you know which one i'm taking and it was very confronting because you, of course we have this idea which colors look nice together how do you, you have like nice contrast or a nice you know uh, some kind of harmonic uh, you know composition but i feel like this, stepping away from it and just using different colors and different also ugly combinations is very healthy like you know to not get stuck in the in again this kind of um I, I definitely do get stuck in this idea that things have to be just pretty also and beautiful and you know and this is I think um a result of working for as an illustrator for a while with working for you know for commercial illustration for uh, brands and so on that things have to be pretty have to be beautiful in order to be to be interesting and I don't believe in it like rationally I don't believe in it I think um but but part of me still has this you know tendency to make something pretty so I think these pinks and uh baby blues probably come still from this you know things have to be pretty so um <laughs> it's pretty but I do try to really to I do try to push myself to different directions and use different uh, different colors and weird colors combinations that sometimes trigger something in me like they oh, they are uncomfortable I, I like that also that some color combinations are just uncomfortable and I just try to see what where they take me you know if I if I just um you know so I kind of see it always as like all of this all, all you know working with uh, with visual media I kind of see it as a constant kind of uh, movement and like constant uh, crossing some uh, personal boundaries and personal kind of comfort zones and and that's what interests me in this as well that's so cool i think as an animator who's also a painter you have a very unique understanding and perspective of color because I, i'm imagining like you mix all of your own colors while you're painting um and so yeah i, I think that that's something that's really cool to think about particularly in your animated work and like this kind of departure from the black and white. Mm -hmm. um, you talked a little bit about how nature kind of inspires your palette. And I'm curious what your other inspirations are, um, if any, in your work um, and kind of where you find inspiration, whether that be through the natural world, through other things that you see in the art world or the animation world. Um, yeah, if anything comes to mind there. Yeah, well, I, I kind of feel like uh, everything is sort of inspiring, you know, like life is inspiring in general. And and I think animation is such a, such a cool kind of lens to look at the world through, you know, because suddenly everything 
you know, everything is sort of an animation, you know, once I kind of discovered animation, I was like, wow, you know, everything, clouds are like a constant animation, right? It's just like constantly, everything is constantly moving and it's just so beautiful that everything moves. Like, you know, there's this, there's, I read it once somewhere, you know, that like standing is a little dense, you know, that because <laughs> humans, like we always move, like our body is always moving. Everything in us is always moving. Like, and, and it's- I love it's, that so much. Yeah. It's so it's so great. I think, you know, that's, that's just such a beautiful, I don't remember who said it, but it's just such a beautiful concept, you know, that we never really, nothing really is still in nature. And, and so that's, that's such a, like, such a huge inspiration, like that concept of this constant movement and constant changes and constant like cycle. And, and, and I feel like it's very present in, you know, in all sorts of stories and myths and legends, like this idea of cycles and of changes and transformations and, and I just love these, these, this, this stuff, like all folk tales, you know, and just uh, all this idea, yeah, how people actually always interpreted these, these transformations in nature and what they read into them, I think it's so beautiful. And I, I, I love that. And so that's definitely, it's a big inspiration for me in, in my work. Do you have any, um, any inspirations from like media that you consume or, um, any artists that you really like or anything of, of that sort? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I we we all are so, I think, so visually, you know, triggered constantly. That's, I think that definitely, I, I you know, I, yeah, I, I definitely do consume also visual stuff. And, but yeah, I'm sure that's, you know, partially a lot of things from childhood as well, from like being, you know, I, I grew up in Poland and, um, and this uh, in Eastern Europe, in Poland has such a big tradition of animation and um and right now I kind of I feel like I, I appreciate it now but I was a kid I, I think I hated it because this was so dark like you know uh, Polish animation like from 60s and 70s is just like it's it's uh st stuff from like Witold Gersh for example like all painted on glass it's so beautiful and right now I appreciate this techniques and just and the beauty, beauty of it but it's, it's really dark and kind of um also in terms of palette color palette and it's it's quite uh dark it's dark stuff so so but i'm sure that some part of the, this was uh i still i feel like i was influenced by some of these um also soviet animations that i watched as a kid mm -hmm. you know i think they, they were like there's kind of beautiful deep fairy lands uh you know any in particular wow um I think of like I think a few Polish animators, yeah, like Witold Gersh and Jan Lenica and and Antonisz, the guy who is who made a lot of uh, Polish guy also who made um, animation. He was just like a, such an interesting person, also in terms of like his work style. He would build all sorts of everything, all the gear he would build himself, like full on do it yourself style. Um, and he would make mostly like non-camera animation on film and very also very dark very ironic and funny sort of and colorful but in a sense of like of uh the content and narrative usually quite dark and so yeah that's that's what comes to my mind immediately as sort of an inspiration but for sure like I also watch a lot of like I, I watch definitely contemporary animation you know as well so you know if I think you know of course you, you mentioned Jenny Wolf for example that I love absolutely she's just doing absolutely amazing things and um yeah Ami Lockhart as well that you also had on a podcast it's mm -hmm. also has been I think for me one of the like amazing uh inspirations 
maybe one of like first people that I came across in the experimental animation. And it just is one of the, you know, it's the, it was just very opening for me, this idea that you can do so many different things, so many different mediums and still kind of have this umbrella over it of being an experimental animator. And it's, it kind of allows you to still grow and be also do all sorts of weird stuff, but uh, yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's just very, very like liberating for me. <laughs> um, so shifting a little bit here, um, I'm curious about the dichotomy between your physical and digital work. Um, I personally struggle to tell sometimes if your pieces are physical or digital. Um, and I kind of love that they can almost exist somewhere in the middle occasionally. Um, and so I'm wondering how your workflow kind of changes between working physically and digitally um, and how you even choose when starting a project if you want it to be physical or digital. Yeah, great question. So I think that um, I think that my aim is to almost fully go towards analog media, and I love just I love working with paper, with touching things, paints. Like I love this lack of control or smaller control. I think that's much more interesting for me. But I started animating through like yeah through like, with digital animation so I'm still I'm still doing that and I'm still doing if I have a, if I work for a commission it's much much easier for me to just maintain contain it and maintain it somehow um with digital animation but I think that um I'm slowly kind of with all my, my own projects I'm slowly transitioning to fully doing things uh, analog and uh, yeah so that's I think um would that also be for commissions as well I would love to have more commissions with analog techniques, yeah. But I know that this is much more difficult to to maintain, to like somehow, uh, yeah, organize, and so. Um, Especially with notes and revisions, I would imagine. Yes, exactly. So I kind of feel like I'm still probably going to be doing both for a while, and just I will just see where it goes. You know, I'm still kind of I'm in the moment where I'm kind of like asking myself a lot of questions about where I want to go with my work, and um, I know a lot of animators here in the Netherlands because the Netherlands have quite big um, grant system for artists. So as I know quite some animators that work mostly from grants, so they actually do sustain themselves from from uh, fundings and do their own work mostly. So which is just such an ideal kind of for way. For real, <laughs> so, yeah. It's so beautiful that I mean that's that's a that's a dream I think a little bit at least I mean I still love working for other people that's uh, that's great you know but but I would love uh, to be able to create a little bit more of my own work and then I would definitely just I think stay with analog media as much as possible. <laughs> definitely, I'm curious what your phys like physical analog animation setup looks like. Do you use a down shooter? Like, how do you register your frames? What is yeah? What does that all look like? So as I, so as I mentioned, I am self-taught. So I think that I'm I'm doing a lot of things very uh, in a very kind of basic way. Um, it's not an elaborate setup, I think. So I scan all the frames because I love uh, the texture, and I I, I haven't I, I don't know I, I don't want to invest in like a camera that can capture the texture. I think because it would I don't know I, I it's it's quite easy for me right now the setup that I have of just scanning my frames and uh, and then arranging them in Photoshop or. Um, so it, it it is a bit of a lay. I feel like I kind of feel sometimes like uh, like I'm cheating or like I'm doing something wrong. You know, I'm all right. Don't fully understand how to how to like make my 
workflows smarter. No, 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 but, no. But I also, I kind of feel like I want to also be really honest here that, you know, that my workflow is, it's not elaborate. And, and I kind of, I would love to maybe, yeah, to, yeah, to just slowly kind of professionalize it a little bit more, but it, this works for me right now. And I kind of feel feel comfortable in that workflow so yeah so that's that's how i do it yeah that's super <laughs> interesting to hear that you use a scanner because i would not think that with like how much texture comes through from the paper specifically like the way that it ripples and and kind of bends and folds like i would think that the scanner would push that down almost well i think that actually i think that's usually um yeah that that, that photos actually kind of flatten because they just kind of so I think the scanner actually sometimes it um, sometimes it makes this textures more visible or especially just the kind huh. of shapes more visible so I kind of like that and so so and I also have just like a cheap scanner it's not anything elaborate so it but it work, works works great for what I what I need yeah and then you're just compositing in photoshop yeah that's horrible I hate it <laughs> just it's just I don't know it's just it's I, I get I yeah I'm, I get really frustrated with it but but for yeah but it somehow works also it's I'm just I've been using Photoshop for like decades you know so I feel like I'm just so comfortable with the tool itself and I kind of cannot bring myself to I I yeah it's for very hard for me to use learn new softwares I have huge resistance to no, it I'm, so. I'm exactly the same way and I feel so guilty i guess <laughs> for animating in photoshop when oh. i know that there's tv paint and toon boom and i i don't know i i know that there are like actual animation programs out there that would be great <laughs> but i continue to use photoshop because it's what i started animating on you know when i was like a baby um yes. and i'm not i'm not gonna switch um because i'm comfortable yeah well I feel better now <laughs> yeah but you know it is you know I do feel like that's a part of that that just nobody I mean nobody cares really but it's just like I judge myself when I do it I kind of feel like oh that's not professional enough indeed I'm not using an animation software I'm not a real animator I have that you know I, it's all in my head I think quite sometimes right uh, that's uh, the this judgment from not being of not course in a perfect yeah, and, way. and people see your work, and no one no would way. ever guess or even care that it was. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would never care. I mean, I loved hearing this. I loved hearing other animators, and also sometimes having some kind of, you know, very do-it-yourself kind of, of weird way around stuff. You know, we. But even if within the software itself, we all have our own ways of doing things. Sometimes they're not just the simplest ways, but if you feel comfortable in it, I think that's good enough. I guess. <laughs> totally. I think like if you can find a workflow that works for you, um, you don't have to change it. And that's not to say that like you shouldn't work smarter instead of harder when you can. But I think like people put a lot of pressure on themselves to like do the quote unquote like right thing. And yeah. a lot of the time, I don't think that there is a right thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's just whatever works best for the individual. 
I think so. Yeah. And there's sometimes, you know, sometimes there's, there are benefits to like reinventing the wheel. You know, I think there is sometimes you, you come across some, some technique or some kind of mistake that leads you somewhere. And I feel like that's, that's, I like that part of the journey as well. I don't need to rush it. And sometimes of course it's great when you, when I learn some like small hacks of doing something that actually saved me a lot of time. But if it's about somewhere, you know, I, I kind of like rambling around and looking for my own way a bit, even if it's frustrating for a while. I kind of feel like frustration frustration is a very important part of the creative process you know <laughs> I, I yeah. feel like kind of wandering around is part of the experimentation too almost Definitely. Definitely. even sometimes it ends up on you know nothing and you just wasted a few days and waste it I don't I never think it's wasted but it is some, does feel sometimes like this after all right, it's just some experimenting that don't really yeah well totally you know. I mean like even if it doesn't go anywhere that that practice and that experimentation still, I feel like, play into the final product in an, an integral way most of the time. Um, it, it's like that process of iteration, I guess. Definitely. And the animators there that I uh, admire, usually I see them like working with different, experimenting with different stuff and getting out again out of this comfort zone and again like trying trying to push these boundaries and not always going the same path because then you yeah well we know what happens then right you're just <laughs> like you can create beautiful work but maybe it's not going to be that exciting or not going to be that you know there's going to be it's this this factor of like play and uh excitement is not going to be there maybe yeah know? it's lacking like the life you know it's um <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about how you're self-taught in animation. Um, and I think that's incredibly cool because, I mean, I, I went to school for illustration and took classes in animation, but for the most part, particularly for the kind of animation that I do, I'm also self-taught. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know, I think in talking with other people who are largely self-taught, it's really cool to hear the kinds of ways in which they taught themselves, the kinds of materials that they used. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit about all of this and how you even arrived at animation in the first place and why you've uh, continued to to animate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I studied architecture um, many, many years ago and, um, and, and I started studied um, industrial design, so it was I was always around some kind of creative, you know, creative disciplines. But I worked as a graphic designer for for many, many, many years, for like ten years or something. And um, firstly, I stepped from graphic design to illustration uh, slowly, kind of like transitioning to freelance work. And then I think, as I as I mentioned, like I never really watched animation, but I kind of I think I started like I had this idea that that my my illustrations they, they have they are movements like they are just like capturing a movement so i kind of at some point i feel like what if i actually add movement to them and i just like you know it's like just like i i felt like i'm actually inventing the idea of animation you know so silly but you were like <laughs> but, oh my gosh no one's ever done this before yeah no i've done this before what's going on <laughs> but you know so i just like made a few different frames and i felt like oh yeah that's I, i'm gonna be doing this now because it's, it's just it just made so much sense for me that you know that just yeah the, the stillness doesn't really interest me that much I think and um but indeed like the, so of course I got extremely excited and then I bought all sorts of books 
and then it turns out that I'm like not interested in these books that much, you know, the the sort of the animator survival kit and so on. I mean, they're I'm not saying that they're not good or anything like that, but I was not interested at all in becoming a professional kind of technical animator, just like I was not interested in becoming a technical painter. Um, maybe right. I will still grow up one day to becoming like, you know, um, um, yeah, to just like learning to paint really properly. But I was never really interested in it. I was more interested in the process itself, in the in the messing the process and discovering the process rather than delivering a perfect product in the end or perfect artwork. I know one thing we talked about um, kind of like in, in getting ready for the podcast today. And one thing I struggle with in being self-taught is this idea of imposter syndrome. Um, and we've talked about, you know, your history in the fine art world and coming from that where it does feel really gatekeepy sometimes um, and doesn't necessarily feel like it has the same sense of community that the world of animation does um and i'm wondering how you feel about this kind of sense of imposter syndrome in the animation world and if that's you know something you experience and how how you deal with that yeah no that's that's a that's such a great subject i think that you know being self-taught will always kind of make you feel like you're slightly less worthy than um you know that but in the same time uh you know i studied architecture and i really really cannot build a house you know like <laughs> i it's just i it's really was yeah it doesn't give you full knowledge to do stuff it's just maybe gives you some tools or, or not or is a so i rationally i don't believe that education is important but of course like um, on an emotional level I so many times felt like I'm worse or I'm not good enough or I shouldn't even put myself in some places so um, and there's some some shame connected with it as well when I feel like I shouldn't be even dreaming of certain things or I should um, first maybe yeah perfect some creates like situation where where my workflow is perfect and I have I, I know more stuff you know and then maybe I can you know and the same thing was even you know when I got my uh, first kind of like bigger animation gig and and I didn't understand the language I didn't know what an animatic was and I was like oh my god oh my god I have to google this I don't know what it is like I didn't know and because because I was just doing you know stuff intuitively I didn't have to make an animatic for my own animations right it's like I was just like doing it <laughs> you know so suddenly I just I felt like uh, I have to learn some kind of language or uh, or learn how to yeah how to make a storyboard or whatever else just to be able to kind of pretend a little bit better than I know what what I'm doing but it's, it's exactly I think it's exactly the same as with any other discipline I definitely had it with graphic design you kind of it is a lot about your confidence and about uh, the way you present yourself or the language you use rather than than skills themselves but um i do feel like i'm in the beginning of my journey like there's i'm probably going to be animating for for maybe for the rest of my life so i do feel like it's still a beginning and i'm still just starting certain things I'm still starting to understand where i want to do what i want to do with it what what interests me in it so i feel like it's it is just beginning the beginning of my journey yeah um, I'm, I'm not sure if this answers you the question but completely yeah and i mean <laughs> i'm 
both incredibly excited to hear that it's the beginning of your journey and to see what comes next. But also, as soon as someone starts animating, they're an animator. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I struggle with imposter syndrome all the time. Um, and at any time I'm in a room physically with other animators, I have horrendous, horrendous social anxiety because of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're all here to tell each other that we're we're crazy for thinking. <laughs> yeah, because we we don't think this about anyone else, right? It's like, I, no, I, what, of what, course not. What you just said that that every person that is into it and loves it, like I give them full. I, I I'm yeah, I just see them as an animator already, just by wanting to do it, almost right. But yeah, so it is all, all only in our heads. But there's you know this idea, yeah, the shame and like feeling maybe yeah feeling not good enough it's I think it comes from like probably different parts of our lives and it just shows up in different you know in our work as well right so it's just I think it's just a general healing that needs to be done and for, for myself I feel like it's yeah general healing that to feel worthy of in general people's love or attention or whatever else and then maybe this part will also heal <laughs> because of just course. going to school is not going to fix it you know like uh, just going to school doesn't give you a yeah but so I was really glad that this was a topic that you wanted to talk about when you wrote me about this, just because it's not something that we've talked about <laughs> on the podcast before. And I think it's super, super important, particularly for people who are getting started in animation. Um, just because yeah. it's something that I think, regardless of really whether you have a formal education or not, everyone experiences it at some point. Um, and it's not talked about a whole lot, but it is something that everyone struggles with and a lot of people continue to struggle with well into their careers. Absolutely. And now I, I, I had this so many times when I didn't want to reply to an email about some, when somebody wanted to buy my painting, because I was like, no, they don't want to buy my painting. They don't know how bad it is. They only saw a picture of it. If they actually will see it live, they will hate it. So I just wouldn't reply to an email for two weeks. Like, you know, like, being really rude because I was just so terrified that this person will actually see behind what's behind this, you know. And I see how crazy—I mean, crazy. It's not crazy. It's just I see how uh, this this thought pattern, you know, how where it comes from and so on. But um, yeah, but sometimes it's just so difficult to stop that because yeah. But that, I think that's why it's it's really good to share your work and to share mm -hmm. even also work in progress or also work that maybe it's not ideal and perfect, right? But in the same time, it's also equally difficult because if you share it and it doesn't get enough maybe praise or whatever, then it's also can be uh, can be demotivating. Maybe I don't know. No, it's it's so tricky. It, <laughs> yeah, and it's just back to social media and how yeah, it's so toxic. <laughs> it is. It is indeed because it's it's not like you. Yeah, it's not like you put it out there and people see it and have moments to judge it. Like you very often, like I. I don't even kid myself. I know that usually people watch just few seconds of something, right? So if it, if it's my few seconds looped, then great, then we'll see. They will see the whole thing. Right. Slightly longer, they probably don't even watch it. So these numbers there, the likes, the follows, whatever, they're just virtual numbers. They don't mean anything, you know. They're they're just like absolutely virtual. So. But at the same time, I also totally agree that it is really important to share work in progress and and to kind of almost get that validation but also to see everyone else sharing work in progress and, and normalize that as well um 
I think that's the only good way of using social media at this point. And I, I also have to shift my, my way of thinking about it as well more to just like share, you know, to just indeed uh, make it also valuable for others because I love seeing other people, other people's work in progress and behind the scenes and everything. It's just fascinating for me. So if when animators share it, I'm just like, it's amazing. I'm so, so excited to always see it. Oh, me too. I, I always love like, yeah, my, my favorite thing is kind of getting to like peek behind the curtain. Um, when people post the carousel and like the last slide is like a little process shot or something. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, so just a few more questions here um, and then we'll wrap up. But Around the Touch and The Road Stays Mine are two stunning shorts animated by you um, and both a bit longer form than the work you generally share on Instagram. Um, each kind of like about a minute in length. Um, and you've talked a little bit you know, when we were talking about residencies or grants, you know, how that would be a dream to kind of get to work on more personal projects like this. And I'm wondering kind of what the process is like for working on longer form content. Um, and if you're planning to do any more of it right now. Yeah, so I, I did find it very difficult to, to do to make something longer for the first time, <laughs> especially I mean, I love making loops. I think they're just I mean, they're I love it. Like, I think they're they're for me, just like the, the most fun thing to do. But I love I, I, I would like to make um, ideally longer stuff. But I do feel that um, the process is very difficult for me to the process of organizing work is very difficult i find just like this um this idea of you know of planning things out and um and planning how you're gonna make do the work and perform the work is i find it very difficult just like organization just project planning basically so that was for me the biggest struggle on you know naming the files pro properly naming every naming every frame somehow properly and so on i find this um the most difficult in uh, found this the most difficult in longer projects but they're also they're like a great education i find as well because uh, the rhythm of something longer is completely different right it's like a rhythm of a of a, of a short loop can it's it's um it's consistent and then if, if something's longer the rhythm changes right and and i find that a very interesting kind of challenge to find a good rhythm um for something that's longer that's that it still flows in a sort of natural way and i don't know it's very intuitive somehow I, I'm, I'm sure that there's like a lot of good theory around how to do it but i still i, I just you know when i I just feel like there is rhythm. There's even, mm -hmm. of course, there's always rhythm in animation. Animation moves, so there's a rhythm there. But that was for me the biggest kind of challenge when I suddenly realized that, like, okay, that's it's. I don't know why it works or why it doesn't work, and so it's a lot of trial and error. But that's a fascinating kind of kind of, kind of way of doing it. But um, I I learned a lot through making a bit longer things, and right now I'm kind of preparing for my first um, longer shorts. So like about two two minutes of um, oh wow so it's uh yeah so i got i received my first kind of micro grant for it so it was i'm just very excited and very happy to be <laughs> <laughs> to um to devote time to it so it's going to be um it's going to involve text Styles. so not exactly sure how yet but that's the that's the time that i'm going to devote to it next uh, yeah in upcoming months and maybe till the end of this year to somehow find a way of um working with textiles in um yeah it's going to be an animation that's going to be a slide about my grandmother who used yeah who used a lot of textiles so it's going to be kind of merging her worlds 
through these kind of very ephemeral kind of threads woven texture but it's only oh, so in my excited. head now and uh, and I kind of really want to I don't want to narrow it down to too much yet I just want to right now just really open up the process and see and really experiment a lot and see how many other ways I can for now like kind of create of or find of doing it and also watch a lot of stuff and see what other people did as well with textiles and and then just see which direction kind of is going to be the best for the story yeah <laughs> Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> is there anything other than that that you're currently working on that you're excited about or would want to share? Um, yeah, I'm just finishing a music video, like a full length music video. So it's the first time when I'm finishing, like doing a full length music video. So I'm very excited about this and uh, finishing absolutely. And yeah, I'm just like excited also to just... Um, yeah, I'm always just, there's always something like waiting, you know, for you probably as a habit, right? Just like little projects that I'm like, this is going to be for later. And just oh, like, of course, you know, like cutouts <laughs> and whatever else. So, so I have some lots of ideas, but then I'm hope I'm going to get some time this summer to maybe execute a few. <laughs> um, well, we have one more question um, just to finish up on here. And that's if you had to give one piece of advice to aspiring animators or people looking to stick with the medium, um, what would that be? Yeah, well, I think that's, I think with every visual or every, any kind of art, I think it has to make you happy and it has to be exciting. If you're not excited by this, then like, I would say just like go wherever you feel like it's exciting. Just go with your, with your guts and, and I would say just also stay away from trends or any kind of um, fashions because they're they're again they're going to be some kind of trap. I think it's the most important to just um, to just find your the place where you feel comfortable and excited, and also put up put out to the world is only stuff that you would like other people to hire you for. And um, I think that's an important one as well. That I think some people get trapped in some kind of um, genres or styles that they don't I definitely did as an illustrator uh so I, I realized at some point I was like well I'm I'm gonna keep on being hired for this if I'm gonna put this keep on putting this stuff out there right and the vicious cycle seems very obvious. yeah it seems very obvious but it was absolutely a vicious cycle so so I think that's very important to even if it feels uncomfortable or if it feels scary you know there's always a, some weird person out there who's going to love exactly what you're doing even if it's the weirdest stuff right like I think animation proves that definitely <laughs> not everyone has uh, sort of an imagination and comprehend uh, not everybody understands how far your medium can go so I think it's important to show people how far it can go or for how far your uh, imagination or your capability goes I think that's indeed like putting it out there it's definitely the way to go yeah Oh, Veronica, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Thank you so much. It made me so happy that we uh, finally got to sit down and do this. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I feel like it, this was really, this is an honor to be, you know, in this podcast. It's so cool. And I love your podcast. And 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 between, yeah, then, and all the guests that you had are just wonderful, amazing artists. So it's amazing to be, yeah, it's just. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I've got so many exciting interviews coming up that I can't wait to share with you, but as a sneak peek for next time, I'll be chatting with none other than Magda Kreps. Magda and I had such a wonderful conversation in which we dive deep into her workflow, characters, and so much more. So I hope to see you next time on Boiled Over. <laughs>